0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Hey
1: folks, here we go on a Tuesday. It's the Sports Grid Radio Network, Brian Blessing, Sportsbook Radio from Las Vegas, hanging out at Sunset Station this week. And we've got great guests for you today. Uh, we're going to have some good fun. Our buddy Adam Burke's going to check in from ATS.io in hour number one. Hour number two, Stevie Slapshot, our good friend, checks in. And Tony Neville, the Racing Sportsbook Director from Treasure Islands, back for more. And we'll get the uh, report card on that wild Ravens Browns game from the book's perspective. But man alive, everybody's talking about it. Uh, what a game. Uh, the Ravens beat the Browns 47-42, and this is a sports betting show. Not only are they talking about what a great game it was, but they're talking about the last play, and that's water cooler talk, talk, and that's what's amazing about this. First, the game. Lamar Jackson's running around making plays, and then he cramps up, and he's out of there, and he's out of the equation. Mayfield's going up and down the field. Chubb, Hunt, Landry. It's a track meet. It's going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. McSorley comes in. The kid actually looked pretty good. He was driving him down for the game-winning field goal. And then he tweaks his knee. And it it's a fourth and five play. Ravens got to get the first down to stay alive. And because he's down and out and hurt, there was extra time And Jackson comes racing out of the locker room for the fourth down play. Touchdown pass to Brown. Browns aren't done. It's unbelievable. It was just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then the clutch aspect of Tucker's lining up, you know, the 55-yarder in Cleveland at, at night. And you're like, well, that's like a chip shot for him. I mean, he's as clutch as it gets. So there was that drama. But the crazy thing is, I'm watching the game. And I, I said this to myself out loud. I really did. I go, ah, why did he do that? The Ravens get set, and the clock's running down. And Jackson spiked it with seven seconds left. I'm like, why didn't he take it down to three? And you kick the field goal. You win the game, you get out of dodge. And it wasn't like they, they had no timeout, so it couldn't be a bad snap where they get to do it again. I thought he'd just run it down to three. Well, he leaves the two ticks on the clock. Then they almost returned the kick, and they didn't. And then let the laterals begin. And you've seen it before. And, I mean, I, I just during that play, you think of the amount of money that changed hands. But lateral after lateral, and they're going backwards and backwards and closer and closer to the end zone. And the majority of the country sitting had the game at three. So everybody's sitting there looking at a push. But then there were some folks that were able to secure the plus three and a half. Those people got the W in their back pocket. And he gets into the end zone, and you know, Landry gets spun out of Brown's Safety. You can't make the stuff up. But that's – it's not like we haven't seen that sort of stuff. But, where my God, over the weekend we had the Ball State deal where the teams were running out on the field. It was almost the Cal-Stanford game with the band on the field again. You can't make this stuff up. And the crazy thing is, but when those kind of goofy things happen, doesn't it just always seem – like, it's right on the number, or it impacts the side or the total, or the, it's, and you talk about water cooler chatter today, it's like, how did I lose that? And But I can't wait to get Tony Neville on from Treasure Island to find out, was that good or bad for the books? My belief is it was bad, because we had Chuck Esposito on during the day, and it was 3 minus 20 the Ravens were favored and I said, Well do we think three and a half will get there? And I said it was at the tipping point where it could go and he said, Probably not. Well, sure enough, I mean three and a half started the service. So there were a lot of people thought they were the wise guys of all wise guys getting that hook and then that play scoops it away from you. But you know, it's, it's some of the stuff we just always talk about. Always seems to happen. But how about the game? Mayfield, twenty-eight to forty-seven, three forty-three, two touchdowns. The combination of Hunt and Chubb. You know, Cleveland's schedule. They haven't played too many real tough teams. But I learned a lot, just like I learned about Tennessee and losing to Cleveland, where they didn't quit. I watch this Cleveland team and, and say, "Listen, they can match up and." And on a one-off, I think they can play with anybody with those two running backs. And Mayfield is is certainly doing a lot of good things. And Baltimore, you talk about circling the wagons, man. These guys were in trouble. I mean, if they'd have lost that game, literally an issue to just say, hey, we're going to make the playoffs. Now, what we do is we watch a game like that, and then we apply it to the future. And, you know, Cleveland's got the Giants. There's a letdown spot for both these teams. When Baltimore looks ahead to the next week, you think, oh, yeah, they're going to go on a run. Not so fast, man. A game like that, uh, the letdown is always something that you have to take into account. So what we love to do is talk about the fun we just saw. But most importantly, we want to look ahead and how do we find a way to make money. on it. that's what we'll try to do for you here on Sportsbook Radio on a Tuesday. And week 15 in the NFL. My God, and talk about how fast it's going. Uh, we'll talk about that with Adam Burke from ATS.io. He'll be our guest today in hour number one. Having a good time. Thanks to our producer, Chris Bavona. I'm Brian Blessing. Don't go anywhere. Coming back, Sportsbook Radio right here on a Tuesday on the Sports Grid Radio Network. All right, folks, back with you. Sportsbook Radio from Las Vegas. Uh, loving life. Uh, spending a week out at Sunset Station this week. Thanks to Chuck Esposito. And all our friends at Stations Casinos. And thanks to Adam Burke. He's our friend from ATS.io. I did a podcast with Adam this morning. He's on his platform. He does a great job. And his podcasts are available to you each and every day. And since we jumped on board the Sports Grid Radio Network, soon to be on Sirius Channel 204, Adam's been kind enough to join us on Tuesdays. It's always a fun discussion. Man, we're getting a mitt of each other now. Yeah, that's all right. I enjoy talking to you. No, well, I love you because you're easily amused. But what a day to have Adam Burke on. Adam, who his operation is based in Cleveland, and that was ground zero for the betting world on a Monday night. The game itself we'll get into, but of course the sports betting world is talking about the last play of the game. And we've we've seen that kind of nonsense before, Adam, and isn't it amazing that every time there is a goofball play like that, it always seems to be because, you know, this was the impetus for me to move to Vegas back in 2005. It's like that sports betting's going to become ma- mainstream. And I got the bi- bi- broadcasting background. Said so this thing's going to be mainstream. It's like, who are the odds makers? How do they do it? And, you know, to get the word out about this, and it's going to be maybe the next opportunity. And the favorite, you know, well, they always say, how do they do it? Because it's right on the number. Well, it falls on the number like 30% of the time. It's not as often as people think. But when it falls right on the number or it's impacted a play like that, it just always seems it happens to be this wild swing for winners and losers when you get a play like that because it was right on the number.
2: Well, it's always one of those things too, where just coincidentally it seems to happen in a primetime game or in a big game or something like that. You know, you think back to uh, the playoff game with the the Vikings and the Saints a couple of years ago, where you know the extra point kind of led to some point spread drama after that, you know, walk off Minneapolis miracle type of thing. Uh, yeah, and you know the, the funny thing is, I mean, if Lamar Jackson's better with his clock management, the last play of that game is Justin Tucker's 55 yarder and. You know, we're talking about a push instead of uh, one of the all-time you know worst moments in sports gambling history for Browns backers and uh, one of the best for Ravens backers.
1: It's funny you say that because in the first segment, they just made that point that, and I I don't think there was any real thought that went into what he was doing other than they were scurrying, and the clock was running down, but it he they were set to the point and I alluded to this too, that let it go down to three seconds and you make the kick, you go to OT. I mean, and honestly, you know, the more I think about it, 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 it was really stupid <laughs> because, I mean, if he misses the kick, although it was 55 yards, with seven seconds, they left, what, two on the clock. If he misses the kick... We already saw Mayfield at halftime throw at 65 yards on a Hail Mary. He absolutely should have run the clock down to three.
2: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, something else that uh, is getting lost in the shuffle of how exciting that game was and, of course, the the very interesting ending, there were 89 points scored in that game last night, Brian. I mean, Baltimore covered the total by themselves. That is about as far from traditional AFC North football as I think you can get.
1: Well, the Browns, I look at them, bud, and I've been saying it for weeks, and then you watch that game last night. Now, the defense, maybe you wonder what's going on there, then the way they played in the second half against the Titans as well. So, if there's a real concern now, it's that the Browns' defense is getting shredded a little bit. But they've proven they can rack up points with anybody, not just because of last night, but I mean you've got the combination of Chubb and Hunt and Landry has been a tour de force tour, tour de force, easy for me to say, since OBJ went out. And this offense is clicking.
2: It is. And you know, I think there are a lot of reasons why. I mean, you know, I was kinda of texting with some buddies about this last night that Baker Mayfield just looks different to me. Like, mechanically, he looks different. He's got a lot more zip on the football than he had last year. Really confidently stepping into throws. I think that they not only improved his confidence, but also fixed some things mechanically with him that allow him to make some of those eight, ten-yard out throws into windows that, you know, previously, maybe he wasn't able to put the ball in there. So they've done a lot of things to work with him, to play to his strengths, That first drive, they moved the pocket a ton, and Baker just marched right down the field. Then Baltimore adjusted. They started sending safeties and corners to keep Baker contained in the pocket, keep the Browns from rolling him out to throw on the run. It took them a little bit of time to adjust to that, but eventually they did. Kevin Stefanski is a great play. Him and Alex Van Pelt, great play callers, great play designers, and they got a lot of skill position talent to work with. And The biggest thing as an NFL coach, whether you're a head coach or a coordinator or just a position group coach, is to do whatever you can to maximize the talent that's there. And this current scheme and this play design for the Browns maximizes the individual talent of a lot of guys on that roster. David Njoku wanted to be traded. He wanted the hell out of Cleveland when Freddie Kitchens was the coach and all of that. Last night, without Austin Hooper, a focal point of the offense, because Stefanski and Van Pelt... Use that guy the way he should be used. They just they they increased the ceiling for everybody on the offensive side of the ball, and we kind of saw it play out last night.
1: You know, it's funny. This is going to be an odd topic. Um, but you, you got to have a great ego if you're going to be a quarterback. I mean, these guys got to have an ego to size them out, Rushmore. And I really wonder, you know, Bigger Mayfield, you see, don't turn into the Ricky Fowler of football you know, where you're doing all these commercials, uh, you better go out and do something. And I wonder if Lamar Jackson's the MVP last year, Josh Allen's playing like a man possessed, and his name's been thrown around in the MVP discussion. And I wonder if part of that, you know, resonates back with Mayfield. And I think it's a good thing if, if this is what happens with this kid. Is he, well, wait a minute, guys don't forget about me. I was the first pick of that draft.
2: Well, and, and I think too, you know, and I, was, I was talking with some friends about this last night, all of us, you know, that watch every single snap of every single Browns game. You think back to what Baker did in college and he's not just standing there in the pocket, you know, trying to throw these balls into tight windows. They're moving around. They're doing RPOs. They're doing a lot of the things that we see pretty much every offense do at the college level. And then with Hugh Jackson, with Freddie kitchens, They tried to make Baker a pocket passer, and Baker Mayfield is simply not a pocket passer. We saw two balls get batted down at the line last night. The height is an issue for him. It is something that when he's in the pocket, he has to contend with. When he's on the move, there's nobody in front of him. And Stefanski and Van Pelt have realized how to put this guy into a position to succeed, and I think Baker really appreciates that, that he's playing an offense where it's actually tailored for him to be himself instead of somebody else trying to force him to be something that he's not. So I think all of this is just working in perfect harmony, and it's really nice to not only look at what the Browns are doing this year, being 9-4 and and all that, but to consider that going forward, Baker fits in this offense. They've got play callers that are smart and design very impressive plays to get guys open. This is something that, you know, seems like kind of a match made in heaven in a lot of ways, and you no, know, Baker's not Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or anybody like that, but Baker can win you football games in this offense, and you know now they can just fully focus on improving the defense for next season.
1: Well, we deferred to our guest because he's in Cleveland, and we talked a lot about Baker Mayfield, but he also had the drama in the game where Lamar Jackson was cramping up in Hollywood, uh, and you have... McSorley go down with injury and the fact that he was down for a while bought time for Jackson to come out of the locker room and then this last two minutes of the game basically turned into a game all by itself Uh, so it's a game we'll uh, long remember and long talk about but what we want to do and what we should do On a show like this is look to the future and try to make money and see if there are things that we can consider for these two teams, the Ravens and the Browns. We'll talk about the next week's schedule in the NFL with our guest Adam Burke from ATS.io. Coming right back, Sportsbook Radio on the Sports Grid Radio Network
0: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
1: glad to be back with you here on the sports grid radio network brian blessing uh, in las vegas and we're out at sunset station all this week And today we're joined by Adam Burke from ATS.io. Kind enough to join us. I'll tell you, before we go any further, uh, why don't you tell him about all the platforms and all the goodies and all the stuff you do, Adam?
2: Yeah, well, I enjoy our shows together on my podcast, ATS Radio, every Tuesday. But we go Monday through Friday on the show. Uh, We talk a lot of college basketball, college football, and the NFL. Uh, It's, you know, Monday through Friday. Like I said, ATS.io. You can find it anywhere you stream and download your podcast content. And uh, also on the ATS app, which is something I encourage everyone to go check out. It's a bet tracker, an odd screen, uh, full article integration from the website. And you can listen to the shows uh, through that app as well.
1: All right, bud. Always join Adam on Tuesdays, and we have great fun doing that. Appreciate him joining us here on the Sports Grid Radio Network on Tuesdays as well. Looking ahead to next week, let's just focus on the teams that we've been talking about after that Monday night game. You would have to say for both the Browns and the Ravens, you've got to be leery of a letdown. And first of all, Baltimore is taking on Jacksonville, who's a Jekyll and Hyde team. That number is 13-and-a-half, total 46-and-a-half. If they're going to have a mini letdown or even a big letdown after the big win. And then the Browns play the Giants, and Cleveland's a three and a half. And I'm mean, even seeing fours popping up. Uh, 3.5 or a four-point favorite, and the total on the game is 45.5. Specifically, the Browns, and Adam, I think, you know, reading between the lines when you're handicapping games are big deals, and the fact that the Browns game got flexed to a Sunday night game, I don't think it did the Browns any favors. Because the Giants are going to know if Seattle beat Washington. I mean, Washington's going to need the win regardless. But if Seattle beats Washington, you would think the Giants are going to get an extra bounce in their step because they know they hold the tiebreaker over Washington. And if they win this game, they actually grab first place away from Washington in the NFC East. So just the the timing of the game could actually impact your handicapping of the game.
2: Yeah I think so you know obviously again you're going to be kind of scoreboard watching here whether it's your team or you know for the late games that you're betting on with all the playoff scenarios and and all that you know I think it's kind of interesting for the Browns here not just this week but also next week they play back-to-back games out at MetLife Stadium in the Meadowlands four road games in five weeks concluding next week with that Jets game so third road game in four weeks here they played a close game with Jacksonville They played that game against Tennessee where they were winning big, let the Titans back in the game in the second half. Now you go on the short week to play a third road game in four. So that's kind of an interesting little spot for the Browns. But one thing I started thinking about a little bit after you and I had a discussion on this game is that, you know, the Browns, and and it's easy to say all the right things. we know there's coach speak and gamesmanship and this and that, but the Browns are genuinely upset and disappointed that they didn't win that game last night. You know, in past years, It would have been, you know what, we battled back, we're happy with the way that we battled this and that. Stefanski goes, we lost. You know, Baker, same things. You know, these guys are their harshest critics now, and it's not about moral victories anymore. So I don't think outside of the physical factors that lead to a letdown, I don't think mentally the Browns are looking at this saying, you know, well, we put so much into last night's game and, and we came up short, but we tried really hard. This is a different culture now with this Cleveland team. So I don't worry about the mental letdown, the preparation letdown. I worry more about the physical side of it, where Baker took some hits last night you know, on some things that he probably shouldn't have, uh, including the you know late lateral thing. Miles Garrett was banged up. He hyperextended his elbow. They're already dinged in the secondary. So that's kind of where I'm at with this game, is I'm a little bit more worried about them from a physical standpoint, as opposed to anything on the mental side.
1: You know, I know, I, I know we're talking a lot about the Browns. But one more thing on them, but I think it could be a broader discussion. And I've always said this, you know, f- for all these years, when I was a kid, the first job I had uh, is 22 years old, get to Buffalo, and I'm covering the Bills, and Chuck Knox was the head coach. And, you know, it was just coach speak to the moon. Run, stop the run. Th- those models still exist. I mean, football's changed, but the meat and potatoes of it haven't. But they always say there are three facets of a game. You know, uh, run, stop the run, special teams. Offense, defense, special teams. No one puts any stock on special teams into a wagering line. And I've long maintained, if a team's in the top three or four of special teams, their punter's always pinning you at the 10, their kicker never misses, they're always winning the field position battle. How is that not factored in? to a wagering number. It's not, and I don't understand why. Nor are the coaches, and I, I think they should be. <laughs> oh, man, this guy, that matchup, this coach against that co- coach, that's worth a couple of points to me. No one factors that kind of stuff in. But specific to a guy like Stefanski, and, like, I, you know I disagree with you in a friendly fashion on the over-analyti- overanalyticalization of sports, if that's a word. But the one thing that this guy does do, he's aggressive. He and Sean Payton, maybe more than anybody, they'll maybe it's because Parky's a sketchy kicker, but they'll pass up field goals and go for it on fourth and four. Uh, what about a guy like Stefanski with that aggressive nature?
2: I mean, I love it. I, I it's definitely something I'm fully in favor of. I am, uh, you know, I, I would have a higher risk profile. As a head coach, then you know probably a lot of guys out there, and it's easy for me to say. I mean, I you know sit on my couch and watch games, but I, I love the fact that you know they went for it on that fourth and four early in the game instead of kicking the fifty-one yarder, and part of that was probably Parky, and part of that was probably the wind, but also a lot of it was I think Stefanski realized very early on in that game that threes weren't going to get it done. You had to get sevens, and I think generally, just by and large you got to get sevens. The game is tailored towards offense. You should not want to be in a position to put it on your defense very often, and especially not when you've got the defense that the Browns have. So I like that aggressiveness. I think that resonates through the entire team and certainly resonates through Baker, which we talked about you know, in the previous segment. To take this to this game with Cleveland and the Giants, I love what Joe Judge is doing with the Giants. Are they a talented team? Eh, maybe in some respects. But they play extremely hard week in and week out. And that's why a team that's deficient on talent offensively without its best offensive player in Saquon Barkley, that's why this team is able to hang around and be competitive because they win the effort battle, particularly on the defensive side. So that'll be an interesting thing for the Browns here where they're coming off of that Baltimore game like we already talked about. They're going to get a max effort from the Giants. Whether or not the Giants win or not, they're going to play hard, and the Browns have to match that intensity, and fortunately, I think a guy like Stefanski relative to his predecessors can definitely get that message across.
1: Well, again, speaking of the coach being the determining factor in making a decision on a game, I mean, I would immediately go to the Dolphins and the Patriots, and we know that the Patriots are a flawed team, but... What did we just see a few weeks ago? That was Belichick, who we know can dial things up and take b- good players away, and, and and really impact the outcome of the game with his strategy. But he he just dumbfounded Herbert, the rookie quarterback. Now, you know, I mean, they're deflated because they're not going to win the division. The playoffs are a you know moonshot. But you wonder, Belichick. Dialing things up against Tua, how much will he frustrate the kid? I mean, I like the under in the game because I don't think the Patriots can score much against that defense, but I think Belichick will frustrate Tua to the point that the Patriots have a shot in the game. I think the under is a safer play, but if you're handicapping the game, shouldn't the starting point be Bill Belichick?
2: Maybe not this week. You know, I think it makes a lot of sense going up against Anthony Lynn, who... um, You know, obviously it's very well-documented. And he even had a a massive faux pas last week right before halftime with the field goal unit. Oh, after taking over special teams duties because it was so bad the week before. So, you know, I think that Belichick had such a big advantage against Lynn that maybe he doesn't have here against Brian Flores because Brian Flores knows what Bill Belichick wants to do. He knows his M.O. He'll have an idea of what the Patriots want to do, to try and confuse and take Tua out of the equation. So maybe Flores can plan for that a lot better than Lynn could, where, you know, Herbert definitely looks better than Tua here so far in their respective rookie seasons. But I think Flores, I mean this look, this guy has done a phenomenal job with this Miami team really both seasons. Last year he got rid of the troublemakers and the malcontents, got everybody that would buy in. This year, they're a pretty you know, seasoned product, I would say. So I think Flores has a better chance at knowing what Belichick's going to do than Lynn did, and I think that could potentially give Miami the opportunity to look pretty good here this weekend.
1: All right, and then just let's go back to Baltimore for a second because you're asking them to cover a balloon number against a Jacksonville team that's kind of a Jekyll and Hyde team. But when you get a win of that fashion and a short week – There are reasons to look long and hard at Jacksonville and the points.
2: No, absolutely. You know, I I was on the Raiders last week thinking, okay, I know they didn't play well against the Jets, but they got that walk-off touchdown. They got that second win, that opportunity to keep their playoff hopes alive. So I thought, okay, they'll ride the wave of that momentum into that game against Indianapolis, and they absolutely didn't and got run off the field in the second half. Baltimore is obviously a different kind of team. I think Harbaugh is a very good head coach. I think Gruden's a good head coach too. Harbaugh's just kind of been more proven at this level here in recent years. So I think, again, he can express the proper messaging. But at the same time, Baltimore's offensive line is not very good. Jackson, of course, took some hits and had some issues in that game last night. Peters was banged up. He was kind of hobbling around in the secondary. That was a tough game for Baltimore, not only having to outlast Cleveland and keep responding to Cleveland's emotion, but you know just now to get back up as a double-digit favorite, it is a tough spot.
1: It is a tough spot. We're up against the clock. That's a tough spot. One more segment with Adam Burke. It's coming up next
0: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
1: hey our final segment with adam burke from ats.io thanks to him for joining us today on a tuesday brian blessing in las vegas uh loving life hanging out all week at Sunset Station out in Henderson. Tell the folks uh, all around the country now, we'll be on Sirius 204 starting on January 7th. And we sing the praises of the local properties. It's something people uh, should consider. In fact, Adam might be a cool guy to talk to about that. Uh, But The thing I would say to people, too, when you're coming to Las Vegas, uh, we always promote the STN mobile app. It's a great product. And you have a $100 sign-up bonus for getting the app. But Adam, I know you visit Las Vegas probably three, four times a year, and there are things that people who are going to come here should do, and and, and I'm sure you've learned the ropes all the times you've come out here, things that work best for you. But when you come out here, the first thing you should do is, wherever you are, is get a mobile app, because the only uh, rules that exist are you have to be in the state of Nevada, when you make the wager you don't have to live here so get an app and it gives you the convenience of a game's going to go off but i would recommend to people when you come you're coming in for four days and you're going around town get a couple of apps because then you can shop for numbers and then the other thing i say is folks should consider staying at some of the local properties around town a i don't know if the machines are looser if that's true i don't play the machines so much but you know, the locals go to these places for a reason. They, they know where the fun and good places are. You could stay at a local property and you still get to go down to the strip and you know do the kind of things that you want to do when you come to town. But there really is an element of learning the ropes and there are things that make it a much better experience for people when they come here if they've got a little plan of attack.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've found a lot of great places over the years. I, I kind of consider myself a Vegas veteran. And your point about apps is definitely true. You know, I, I feel like even as much as I go out there, I never have enough time when I'm in Vegas. There's always something I want to do that for whatever reason, I wind up not having the time to do it. Uh, you know, don't stand in line to place your bets. You know, especially if you're talking about a big NFL Sunday, a big college football Saturday, a uh, big college wagering Saturday. And in the
1: way in-game wagering's big, yeah.
2: Get, get the apps for sure. You know, the last thing you want to do is waste time, you know, waiting in line somewhere and also echo echo your sentiments. A lot of great local places. I always stay on the strip just because I like being centralized like that, but I wind up doing the bulk of my play downtown. And you know, there are a lot of great properties off the strip that I love to visit while I'm out there and catch up with friends and all that. It's uh there, there's something for everyone out there in that town and if you want to get away from you know the hustle and bustle and the, and the crowded nature of the strip you know downtown or any of those locals properties a great idea
1: well in the the one thing I would say just maybe as a you know not not of the chamber of Commerce here but the amazing thing about this city quote unquote valley is you can be anywhere in this valley other than an hour in the morning, an hour in the afternoon, with heavier traffic, but you can be anywhere, corner to corner in the valley in 20 minutes, 25 minutes. It's it's not that big, so you know you can roam around and have some fun. And and I would even recommend to you as many, as much as much as you come here, if you did that, went to two or three places. The next time you come in, get one. The next place you come in, go somewhere else and get another. The the, easy, the, the easiest thing is. Open up an account and you have that. And the crazy thing is with technology now, Adam, if you did open the take the time to open up those accounts initially, you can fund your accounts over the phone when you're here. So once you have those accounts, it becomes a much more convenient thing to do that. And it, it, it makes a difference over the course of time.
2: No, no, absolutely. Especially, you know, you, you think about the guys who used to have to run around from sportsbook to sportsbook back in the day, and, you know, they get a tip that a line was somewhere. By the time they'd get there, that line would be gone. You know, now you get whatever line you want, you know, because it's right there at your fingertips if you hear or see on your odds screen or something like that that a price is out there. So, uh, worth their weight in gold, to say the least, those betting apps.
1: You know, it's, just, it's an interesting discussion um, that, that if you think about it, eras and time how things change not much more than a decade ago a phone was treated like an evil out here i mean you would be in a race and sports book if you're playing the horses and you got a phone call you'd have to stand up and walk out of the book you couldn't be in the book with a phone and now the phone is an oxygen tank for the industry where it, the phone is encouraged. I mean, the, the phone is actually now the sports book.
2: No, yeah. No, and I mean, especially this year with, you know, everything that's gone on. I mean, you know, you see it across, in states across the country where the mobile handle just simply, you know, it stands well, well above any sort of retail handle or anything like that. It's about convenience, man. You know, if, if you are sitting there with your wife or your kids or whatever and you got a question – you just pick up your phone, look on Google, you know the answer in, in 10 seconds. You know, it's, it's, uh, we don't have a lot of patience as a society anymore, and having everything mm. right at your fingertips is pretty nice.
1: Speaking of patience, we can't wait for the next game, and it comes on Thursday night right here in Vegas. Uh, the Raiders three minus 20 or three and a half hosting the Chargers. Totals 53 and Um, how how could you possibly step up to the plate and say, yeah, I'll bet the Raiders under. <laughs> I, don't, no. I, I don't have that kind of guts.
2: No, I, I don't either. I, and I understand. It's interesting, too, because this total has come down a little bit from where it opened. And uh, I don't know who's doing that. I think there's been somebody kind of like every week that's taken a piece of Vegas under on like Sunday night or Monday morning, something like that. I don't know if they're trying to massage the market, come back in with higher limits, you know, on on Wednesday or Thursday, something like that. But I, for the life of me, I can't figure it out because I, I mean, I've seen this defense firsthand; it's terrible, and I've seen this offense, and you know, they can score. They're a pretty efficient scoring offense. I think they're top five in percentage of possessions ending in points. So I, I don't know what would possess someone to bet the under this week.
1: Raiders are still breathing. I mean, it, it it looks dire at the moment, but did they fire their defensive coordinator? What do you think of that? With only a day and a half, really, probably two practices, you know, can Marinelli make a difference in two days?
2: I think maybe a veteran guy like that can. Somebody who's you know pretty respected, not just some hotshot defensive assistant that you know doesn't really have a, a whole lot of experience to his name. But what is interesting about the timing is that. This is obviously something that Gruden's been thinking about for a little while to do it on a short week, you know, suggests that he's probably upset with himself that he didn't do it sooner and he's trying to kind of salvage whatever's left of their playoff hopes here. So, you know, a guy like Gruden, who I think is, you know, just a very brilliant football mind, I'll try to give him the benefit of the doubt here in this situation to the point where it'd be Raiders minus three or nothing, but I I still don't trust their defense enough to take the under.
1: We got to talk about the big boy on the on the card because, you know, the New York Jets. The Jets game is the one we're all just you know wondering if can they stay within forty of the Rams. Yeah, you know what? We say this every year. There's always a game where you say there's two of them actually this week, the Seattle Washington game, and the Saints Chiefs game. You can make the case. The Saints-Chiefs game could be a Super Bowl preview. Chiefs, everybody's best team, I believe, in the AFC, if not the league. And the Saints and Packers, a two-horse race in the NFC, for argument's sake. that these two teams could uh, end up being in Tampa playing in the Super Bowl, albeit whether Brees plays this week or not, I don't know. It's probably going to be Taysom Hill. And the other one is Seattle and Washington, which is sneaky, weird. Because if Washington were to win this division... There's a real chance if Seattle's a wild card, they're coming right back to Washington to play these guys in the first round.
2: No, that's that's an excellent point, and I very much agree with you. Kansas City, New Orleans would be my Super Bowl pick. I don't know if the Saints find some crazy, borderline, unbelievable way to lose in the playoffs again this year, uh, but those are the two best teams in their respective conferences for me. Seattle and Washington is really interesting because – You know, I faded Washington last week. I liked San Francisco, third straight road game for the football team. And they get two defensive touchdowns and and find a way to beat San Francisco in a game where, you know, Kyle Shanahan is very motivated to play Washington. They fired his dad. They fired him. He's not a big fan of that organization. And and Washington found a way to win. And they've been playing really well under Ron Rivera here. Uh, Another one where, you know, a coach that just has a different vision and a different mindset really working out for a team. The problem is Washington just can't score, and they really can't move the football either. So if Seattle has any offensive success in this game, this is a game where I expect Seattle to win by a couple of touchdowns, to be honest with you. I know Washington's defense is good, but Russ is a different kind of animal. And again, they just, Seattle's just, they're one of those teams I feel like, and they didn't really do it last year, but I feel like at this time of the year, they're one of those teams capable of flipping that switch and all of a sudden being the team that they're supposed to be. Washington kind of is what they are, and I think they're getting very lucky to skate by right now.
1: And your point, point, when the, and they're, they're fun, and we're talking about a young defense and Chase Young and all that hype, but all of a sudden they find themselves, you know, after being a, a punchline in the NFC East, that these are big games now. And to their credit, they beat Pittsburgh and they beat San Francisco. But I think the point you're making, and I'm on board with it, if you look at this little winning streak they're on, they beat the Bengals, Burrow gets hurt. They beat, on um, Thanksgiving, the Cowboys, whose defense is a disaster, and Andy Dalton's a stationary target. I mean, hey, they beat Pittsburgh. You give them full marks, but Ben Roethlisberger is a pylon now. He's, he is a stationary target. And one week to the next, you don't know what you're getting out of Mullins. And, you know, at times it can be god-awful. The one thing now, if you're looking for, they've been winning all these games, and this is how they're winning these games. And I know Wilson struggled a little bit. But you're talking about a mobile guy now that's going to break containment on numerous occasions in this game, and the big play is going to be out there. I mean, he is night and day different than what they've been doing during this winning streak.
2: Oh, no, absolutely. And, you know, even going back to the Detroit game, I mean, it's not like Matt Stafford can move at all. So, you know, Washington, they have not faced a guy like Russell Wilson. There aren't many Russell Wilsons out there, but I agree. You know, it's easier to have this pass rush when you don't have to worry about the quarterback escaping, contain, and making plays. It's easier to worry about this pass rush when you you don't have a, a clear downfield threat like DK Metcalf that you know, maybe you can't send that extra rusher because you've got to give help over the top. So I think this is a really tough matchup stylistically for Washington. And again, you know, they're just they just not moving the football. And, and in today's NFL, how many times can you keep putting it on your defense over and over and over again and have success with it? I just don't think that you can. I think this is a week where even though Seattle has the Rams on deck and San Francisco after that, uh, this is Seattle or nothing to me, and, and I'm definitely looking at the Seattle side.
1: Buddy, I tell you, uh, final minute here, uh, the NFL is going to make it, and it's hard to fathom that you know, we're talking week 15, and it's going to be interesting dynamics. I think some teams are going to rest rest guys in week 16 and 17 with the just seeding at stake and not worrying about playing at home with fans. It's going to be an interesting dynamic uh, to wrap it up.
2: Yeah, it really is, and, and it's also going to be interesting to see how the betting market responds to – the potential of that happening, and of course, too, how the betting market responds throughout the day as we get these results that kind of shape the playoff picture, where some teams, you know, know that they're in it more than they were before or are out of the equation.
1: Adam, always a pleasure, bud. Good fun. Again, Adam Burke, ATS.io. Always appreciate you joining us on a Tuesday, my friend. We'll talk next week.
2: Absolutely. Thanks, Brian.
1: All right, good stuff. We got another hour to come. Tony Neville from Treasure Island is going to check in with us. Stevie Slapshot will be on board. Lunchtime with the line makers coming right back with hour number two. Don't forget, the Sports Grid Radio Network will be on Sirius 204 starting on January 7th. We're racing towards Week 15 in the NFL, college hoops, and more. Lots of stuff to talk about in the next hour. We invite you to keep it right here on the Sports Grid Radio Network.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: All right, wrapping up hour number one uh, here on Sportsbook Radio on the sports grid radio network okay we got a couple of minutes real quick story so you're watching that game last night and that crazy goofball thing and it, it, every time i see a couple seconds left on the clock all i can ever think about is the music city miracle you know back in the day I was at a house party in buffalo playoff game rob johnson gets the start over doug flutie first half the bills have no field position they're you know not doing anything And at halftime at the house party, we said, hey, you know, if the Bills return to kick past the 30, uh, one guy went up and changed his clothes. Uh, They moved a a Bill statue in the room. So the superstition thing was in play. So we're laughing about it. And this guy who I never met comes up to me and he goes, oh, yeah, I'm like that. I'm a Red Sox fan. And in 1986, I watched game five of the World Series on a Watchman in the bathroom. And they won. So I watched all the game six in the bathroom on the Watchmen. But then when it got to the ninth inning, he said, after all these years of waiting, I don't want to watch it on this little TV. I want to see the Red Sox win the World Series. So he leaves the bathroom, goes out, and, of course, the Bill Bugner plays happen. I'm looking at this guy like he's the black cloud of my life. Anyway, the Bills go down. They kick the field goal. They win the game. There's nine seconds to go. Everybody sat in the same spot. Everybody did all the things they were supposed to do. Music City Miracle. Tennessee's running down the field for the touchdown, a 1-10 million shot. And I look, and this guy, the Red Sox black cloud, the guy standing next to me when he was sitting on the other side of the room for the entirety of the game. He couldn't wait nine more seconds. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm telling you, it's great to be smart, never hurts to be lucky, and it doesn't hurt to be superstitious either, I guess, is the point of the discussion. Hey, uh, speaking of discussion. Coming up, hour number two, Tony Neville, racing sports book director from Treasure Island, is going to check in. We uh, thank our folks from Station Casinos. We're out at Sunset Station all this week. Don't forget the STN mobile app. You get a $100 bonus when you sign up for it. When you come into town, folks, you want to get your meat hooks on that. And we invite you to check out all the Station Casinos around the Las Vegas Valley. All right, one hour's in the cookie jar. Sportsbook radio on the Sports Grid Radio Network, soon to be on Sirius channel 204 january 7th right around the corner we're looking forward to that looking forward to our number 2 of lunchtime with the line makers